0: Hey, you're on air with Ella, and I am joined by, I don't know, three-time guests, eight-time guests, Andrea Owen. How many times have you been on the show? I've lost 17
1: count. times. 17
0: times. <laughs> That's <laughs> a scientific fact if you do math the way Andrea and I do math. Yep.
1: Hi, welcome back. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you. I miss you since you left me.
0: I know. So you guys, I will link to all the shows that Andrea and I have done together because frankly, they're a hoot, but Andrea and I both used to live in North Carolina. Of course, neither of us is from there. You lived in California and other mm-hmm. places. One of them is Utah. It's too long of a, story. It's a long uh, story. We both ended up in North Carolina for some time and you are there and I left you and moved just outside of DC. How are you coping? Are you okay? Not well.
1: I told you many times, I don't have very many friends. And I said, I think when you first moved, I said, I've lost 66 percent. Of my friends, because I had three friends and two of them moved away, and you were one of them. We've done a
0: triathlon together.
1: We have. That was my last one. I retired <laughs> after that. I was like, I'm done. And it was only a sprint. For those people listening, it is the shortest, but uh, fastest. Well, your fastest, definitely not mine. No. And I use the word sprint
0: loosely. Oh, I hate it when people call it a, there's another word for it. Oh, they call it a mini triathlon. I'm like mini my foot, like <laughs> it sprint sprints imply that you're going at some sort of speed. Now this is not a triathlon podcast, but if you would like details, DM me,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> we actually did a podcast together on my show about how life is so much like triathlons. And I, we should link to that. Cause it was a really good show.
0: Okay, I'll add that in. And I promise you don't have to swim, bike, or run to get some value out of that show. So thank you for reminding me of that. We've also done a show on Andrea's on Andrea's podcast, which is now called Make Some Noise. Is Correct. that right, Andrea? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was Your Kick-Ass Life, if that rings any bells with my OG listeners. And now it is Make Some Noise. And there's a reason she has rebranded, which we'll get to. Um, but we also did a show on aging and the sort of conflict between embracing aging while fighting against it
1: with, with, with all of our dollars, the, the bottom line, I'll, I'll give everybody the very short version of those show notes. It's complicated.
0: I will link to all that stuff because those are fun shows if you want to deep dive into our world just a little bit. And normally, Andrea, I don't normally do so much chit chat at the top, but I haven't talked to you and I just needed to catch up with you. Same. But the reason we're talking today is multifold. But one of the reasons is, you know, I did a show recently called gas a woman up yeah. and it was basically about how to be a better hype woman. And, you know, we talk about women supporting women and women empowering one another. And you and I kind of have these like messages behind the scenes. And we're like, but do we
1: like, do we? I messaged you. <laughs> and I was like, we need to talk about that. Cause it's, it's layered.
0: We're going to talk a little bit about that, but it opens up Pandora's Mm -hmm. box to many other themes that I'm super interested in deep diving with you into, and you are really like becoming quite the expert in, I I hate to use this phrase, Andrea, but it's like living our best life and the way that I say it is getting and living and experiencing more of what we want and less of what we don't like. It's that simple to me. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Yeah. So, okay. So let me ask you a question. You are about to release your third book. I'm so proud of you. Thanks mom. My three-time author friend. <laughs> Hi, have you met Andrea? She's my three-time author friend. Um, This kick-ass book is called make some noise, but part of the premise of the conversation behind the book. And I imagine what inspired this book for you. I don't want to speak for you is you say women's empowerment is a revolutionary act. Mm -hmm. And you also said that women's empowerment begins with women asking for what they want. Now that's a sentiment I can get behind, but I really want to know more from you about what you meant.
1: Yeah. I mean, a little bit of backstory. I'm obsessed with getting to the root of the problem. Like I want to know how can we efficiently fix anything? And When I started thinking about women's empowerment, I thought to myself, because people ask me sometimes, like, where did this come from? Why do I self-sabotage? Why do I have this negative self-talk? Why do I people please so much? And honestly, some of it comes from habit. Some of it comes from our family of origin, but most of it comes from the culture that raised us. We have been socialized and conditioned to fit into this proverbial box, if you will, of being accommodating, putting everyone's comfort and feelings before our own, being selfless. and we get to a point where it kind of just dampens our soul. We are just exhausted. And and of course I'm speaking generally here, but I just had this realization where I couldn't talk about women's empowerment anymore. I couldn't gas more women up without talking about the elephant in the room. And that is the culture that raised us. like, Like you were saying, like we have to simultaneously push back against this as well as work on bettering ourselves.
0: Well, by the way, I love that I just didn't even do your bio. (laughs) (laughs) You kind of did. (laughs) <laughs> I love how I just completely skip that. Like I'm just recording a conversation. You just expect
1: everyone to know me like you do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I will make sure to take care of that in post edit. But those of you who haven't met Andrea yet, she is a professional certified life coach who helps high achieving women maximize their unshakable confidence and master resilience. She does a lot more, but you work with women and you have literally helped hundreds of thousands of women by this point with your podcast, with your one-on-one coaching, with your events and with your book. So now that we've set the table, I'll tell you just to build on what you just said. I think that there is much more talk now around women taking up more space and stop trying to make themselves so small. And you have a phrase that you employ that I love so much, which is we are taught not to shine too bright. And your message seems to be like, Hey, shine brighter, but you actually say, "Shine too bright." Mm-hmm. Tell me what that means." and then we'll put this all together,
1: Yes. there's a specific reason that 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 word is is in there because we have we tend to have two fears. just just the regular run-of-the-mill fear of shining at all. This shows up a lot, especially with women who run their own businesses and have to do marketing and be visible out there. It also shows up in, in women who don't run their own business in their interpersonal relationships with making requests of their partners or their friends or setting boundaries, taking up space with their body. I mean, we could also have the conversation around body acceptance. And we, we so we fear that, just the regular you know shining and then also outshining others. So Gay Hendricks talks about this in the big leap. And he says, you know, like the the statement in our head is typically if I grow to all of my accomplishes, my successes, my my true best, biggest self, then I will outshine fill in the blank and make them look bad or feel bad. And most of us have a person we can fill in the blank. And this might be kind of unconscious, but it could be our parents. Maybe we are starting to make more money than they ever did. This especially happens with women who become the breadwinner. When we out earn our husbands, if we're in a heterosexual relationship, this could be a friend that you have. Oftentimes it's a sibling. And it's not always something that gets said. There are some families who say like, oh, you think you're big time now that you're going to grad school or look at you starting your own business. Aren't you just fancy? I have that fear. And my family's always encouraged me. They've always been proud of me, but I still am like, are you sure? Like, are you sure? Like, maybe I shouldn't write too many books. And and we fear leaving people behind, even if they've never told us. Mm -hmm. So that's why I say shine too bright because we have to unpack both of those. Just the fear of, putting ourselves out there in general, as well as outshining other people.
0: Let's put all of this together. Then women asking for what they want Mm -hmm. and resisting the urge to dampen ourselves, to turn our own lights down, to not want to shine too bright. And I want to throw another piece on the table. And this is a little bit dark, but it ties into what started this conversation between us in our DMS. Mm -hmm. And that is that, Yes, I totally understand and co-sign what you said about sometimes we bring this to the table inherently. Sometimes we're in relationships that do this for us. Sometimes it's our, uh, our family, our family of origin, et cetera, et cetera. I have been in a long-term relationship before where I shined too bright. I made too much noise. I had to turn my own volume down and shrink into a box in order to make sure that that other person was comfortable. Right. I- I know you've had those mm-hmm. experiences. Fear as of well. emasculating
1: our partners, our male partners.
0: Yeah. And wow, there's no way to live authentically you if you're worried about your volume control.
1: Right. 100%.
0: I think women do this to each other. And mm-hmm. I want to call it out because. I think it's so important for us to recognize this in our own selves. It's less important to point fingers and be like, yeah, they did that. And they, they do that? It's so much more important to examine how we're doing this subconsciously examine how we're doing this without even meaning to. And when we talked about it on the show recently, I got so much feedback and it wasn't so much like, yes, I'm a victim of this. People have done this to me and people have made me feel a way, but instead the feedback that I got was, oh my gosh, I'm doing this and I'm not doing it on purpose. I didn't yep. realize. I was doing it. Can you share some of your observations or experiences in that realm?
1: So first, I want to start with what that's called, and that is internalized misogyny. Also, sometimes not as dramatic, called internalized patriarchy or internalized sexism. So what that means is, is we do a lot of the things that we don't like in other people because we have been conditioned and socialized to do so, and. It, you know, like, let me just give you a quick example. Let's talk about research. So Pew Research did a study in 2016, which you would think that was done in 1950 based on the results, <laughs> but they asked Americans, what traits do you value the most in men and women? And what traits do you think that they should not have in society? And there were, it's super interesting. If you want to go look at it, just go to Pew Research site and um, search in caring women, strong men,
0: like literally no one's going to do that.
1: Well, I, I would. I must, I geek out on this kind of stuff. I'm obsessed with why people behave the way they do. Oh, let me just talk about the word powerful. <laughs> uh, men were rated, 60 said they rated the word powerful 67% positive for men, 92% negative for women. It was vastly different. In other words, we want our men to be powerful. We do not want to see that in women. Like I was floored, but not surprised.
0: Wait, (laughs) was this an episode of Mad
1: Men or was this a 2016 study? 2016 study, and they asked Americans and the study was released in 2018. I mean, even if you look up, they also, um, the words leadership and ambition, similar. And so I say this because this is society. This is our culture. We like to like, you know, pump our fist and say girl power, but really at the end of the day, Even if it's in our subconscious, deep down in our DNA, we want our women to be quiet. We want them to be polite and accommodating and leave it to the men to be outspoken and make noise and cause scenes and run. And so this whole concept of internalized misogyny, like, please trust me when I tell you, Ella, when I started reading about this, you know, that pit in your stomach where you're like, oh, damn, I've got some work to do. (laughs) I've got some things to unpack when you realize that you have been behaving a certain way that is not only- not in service of your highest self, but is not in the service of everyone that you love and care about and beyond. And it's, it's things like chronic dieting. It is things like judging other women for things that they wear. It's saying women over 40 shouldn't have their hair a certain way or wear certain things. These are just some, some kind of small examples of internalized misogyny. My hope is that, you know, once you see it, you can't unsee it. For instance, I'll give you a quick example. I was playing tennis and I was just having a conversation with some of my ten, my amazing tennis women friends. And someone made the comment of, well, you know how women are just, you know, so catty. And I was like, and I, but I was nice. And I said, you know what, actually, um, I used to think that too, but that is a stereotype that's just been created. And it's a myth. We aren't inherently catty. We're taught to be that way by what we see in the media, by what was modeled for us, et cetera. But it's like, watch where you say things like that. I still buy into a lot of that, that I have to continuously unpack.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm certainly guilty of saying things like, gosh, it just find it easier to be friends with men. And I just have such yep. a hard time with women. Like I'm not that like is, other
1: girls. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. I've said that for decades. I have, I have work to do there and I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've said this on the show before, Andrea, this community that we've created through the podcast podcast was the epiphany for me that I was totally wrong. So it's like my favorite, uh, admission to make is several years ago when we held an event in person and we, I spent a weekend, the three-day weekend with, you know, 45 listeners and people in the pod family, it was all women. And, you know, I make jokes like, God, that's a lot of estrogen having in one room for Mm -hmm. three days, you know, and I'm making that, that type of, that type of joke, just showing my own discomfort really. And when I came out of that experience, it was so cathartic for me. And it was so eye-opening for me. And it really opened my eyes to my own role and my own responsibility in playing a part in that narrative.
1: Totally. And I, I just want to like, throw one more example out there that I think is, is common in, in both the workplace and out of the workplace is, is, the, is competitiveness. And so it, there is, of course, and I have a competitive streak and it can be very healthy and normal. Where does it, if it does at all, cross the line over into competitiveness for the sake of being closer to power and people at the top and especially men? This happens in family circles as well. And the competitiveness can look like, you know, undermining other women. It can look like, you know, spreading gossip. It's these small things that we do that add up to that internalized patriarchy.
0: Okay. One of the things I love to do when we talk about this is really bring it home to brass hack. So, and I shared some of the suggestions that I had for ways to be a better hype woman, so to speak. And I actually, I actually argue that it empowers you to lift other women up. Not only 100%. does it feel good, like it's actually an empowering thing to do. It puts you in the pole position, but, and I, I, again, I don't care if that sounds self-serving. Um, I think it has the happy virtue of being true. We're all I'm self-serving interested. like we have yeah. to be, <laughs> literally like why we're here. Right. <laughs> Tune in for more self-help. Um, Andrea, what are some very specific antidotes to the old narrative mm-hmm. or what are some ways we can open up to a new way of thinking that you have seen really work or have worked for you?
1: Yeah. I call it the unlearning. So there's like like three quick steps. <laughs> I don't mean to make it sound like it's easy like by the end of the day you're going to be healed, but just to work on. So the first one is learn about it, Google it, read articles written by women who know far more about this than I do. So you can see it in your own life. And that's the second thing. Look for it. Look where you do it. You know, comments like that. Those are small, but they add up, you know, like, oh, there's so much estrogen in the room and, and, and things like that. That's part of it. And then the third one is to call it out in yourself gently when you see it, as well as when you're in conversation with other women. For example, the one, the story that I told you about hanging out with my tennis people, like you don't have to be this like contemptuous B-I-T-C-H, like no one's going to want to hang out with you. (laughs) Okay. Give a TED talk every opportunity that you can. To call people out. No, you don't need to be the woke Olympics. Excuse me, excuse me. Do I smell the patriarchy? (laughs) Right. You don't need to be the woke Olympics. And I'm very friendly when I do it. And also here, like here, just a quick tip of what I say is I say, this is something I'm working on as well. And, you know, I see this in myself too. I do it, I do it all the time. And, you know, you can add some humor to it, but it's. I think it's so important that we have these conversations with other women so we can get to a place where we're hyping each other up.
0: Yeah, I do that just to build on what you just said. I do that when women, when I'm with friends or in the DMs and we start slipping into a conversation about our bodies, like I absolutely will no longer participate in a conversation about what our bodies are doing or not doing or what they look like in a bathing suit or what they will. And I'll say things gently and with love and be like, I'm sure we have something else to talk about. By the way, we all look amazing. Right.
1: Like I'm (laughs) sure like the least interesting thing about us is the way that we look.
0: Yeah. And by the way, I'm still working on that myself, but the language that I use and the amount of time I spend talking about it is a part of the work for me.
1: hundred percent. I agree.
0: Andrea, you did something really important in your most recent book and you decided to write about money. And I want to say for the first time,
1: is that right? Yeah. I hadn't written about money before. Ever.
0: Well, you and I have had these conversations because we used to go on walks together back when I was kind enough to live near you. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of conversations about like personal financial management, which I know sounds really sexy, but it matters. And I was yeah. so pleased that you talk about money in this book. Can you tell everybody why?
1: I want women to have more money. Like, yes, it's a capitalistic society and it's got its major problems that need to be solved. And at the same time, like there's still a gender gap, like a pay gap. And I just felt like I could not talk about women's empowerment, especially about quote unquote making some noise without talking about money. And you know, you are one of the handful of friends that I have where money is just a conversation that is just no big deal. And I love that about you. And like let's talk about research again. Research shows that women tend to not talk about money because it is a quote unquote taboo subject. And also, Fidelity did a did a survey where it was strikingly obvious that women tend to be able to manage households perfectly well. Fantastic in fact. However, when it comes to learning about and knowing about investing, saving, or, you know, retirement, things like that, they don't. They don't know about it. They don't talk about it. They're embarrassed to talk about it. And that's a problem. Part of it comes from the fact that we don't have very many, if any role models from a young age of women who were self-made, of women who worked in banking and finance. Like it just, I hate to use this term. And you and I are around the same age, like as Gen Xers, like we grew up thinking like that's a man's job. That's man's work. And I want to change that. I, I was at the pool a couple summers ago and I was overhearing two dads talking about some investments that they made. And I thought to myself, have I ever overheard two women talking about investments that they've made? And the answer was no. And I just, I feel like it's one of those questions or one of those topics that I wanted to both be a role model for and talk about what's the most important thing and like and also why we need to talk about money. So that's that's why I started talking about it.
0: I learned early on. And part of the reason is because I started my own business when I was mm-hmm. 20, nothing years old. So I was an embryo and I was a hundred percent financially responsible for my tiny family. And it was on me, but what I learned and the thing that I told myself is I need to be able to talk about money. Like I talk about a tomato, like right. Right. I need to it be like, to be no actually, sir, I'm going to need more tomatoes <laughs> because I can't deliver on the value that you are seeking for this many tomatoes. Yes. I actually need more tomatoes. <laughs>
1: Right. Well, and that's something that I say, like we have become so comfortable talking to our friends about getting our pubic hair waxed off. Like, why aren't we more comfortable talking about investing and our 401k, like how much we're contributing to our 401k. Like it just, it's mind boggling. I want something different for my children, especially for my daughter.
0: I want to leave that question out there. Why aren't we talking more about this with one another? And I want to hear what you think, because this conversation is not over. All right. But for now, we'll put a pin in that. And Andrea, maybe we can do something live. It'd be fun to kind of have this conversation on like Instagram live or something where people can chime in.
1: Yeah. We should and I that. have some, I have, I can, you know, like do some tips and things like that. And, okay. and yeah. I mean, just one tip, get a financial advisor bonus points. If it's a woman,
0: can we talk about something? First of all, I have a female financial advisor. I have the same she, one. You
1: referred oh her. I switched. You are welcome. She's amazing. She is amazing. She's so smart and
0: it, and there's a common misconception that I think we should clear up since we're on this topic. Do you have to be rich to have a financial advisor? No. I used I to think you that. Did. I used yeah. to think
1: that you did. And I used to think that financial advisors were for rich people and something yep. other people did.
0: Yep. 100%. So last one other theme, I really, really wanted to talk about with you while I have you, and that is pleasure. So we're turning from money to pleasure. Same thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, they're both loaded topics.
0: (laughs) They are. And we could do one show on each of these big three Mm -hmm. themes that we're talking about today, but. I have only recently really started to talk about pleasure in very specific, even explicit terms on the show, Andrea. And part of that reason is because pleasure is not a word that I was seeking in my life in any way. And I don't mean I didn't have it. I just meant it never occurred to me, like, in what ways am I having fun? In what mm-hmm. ways am I creating joy for myself? Am I creating pleasure in my own life? Whether it, it sounds so sexy to say pleasure, but I really mean <laughs> it. And it like, can if it doesn't have to be right. Like it can be food. Like I right. didn't look at food as pleasure for years. I looked at it as like a good, bad moralization thing. And now I look at lots of foods for pleasure. Talk to me about your experience with that word, if you will.
1: Yeah. It's, it's one of those things I think for a long time for me personally, and I, I think probably a lot of people listening, we think of that as something that is luxurious or frivolous, or, you know, when I have time last on the priority. Like I'm not, I'm not surprising anybody (laughs) by saying that like women tend to make themselves the last priority, especially when they are the primary caregiver in their home, whether they have children or not. You know, it dawned on me in 2019, I had my own coach and that was one of the focuses that she wanted to focus on was what is the pleasure? And and it was non-sexual at first. Like, And this is not things like, oh, working out, like working out for me, someone who struggles with mental health, that is hygiene. That is just like brushing my teeth. Like I have to move my body. So no, that is not a hobby. Like I realized I had no hobbies when I had to fill out some paperwork and wrote down running as a hobby. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I didn't have any baths no but it's it's like like you said like there are some foods that bring you pleasure playing tennis for me brings me pleasure it, it's literal playing we are playing like children and I I intentionally lean into that when I am out there on the court even though I'm sometimes a little bit too competitive and I'm really not good enough player to be competitive. It's embarrassing, but anyway, and it can, like, I I feel like we, we have to talk about sex too. Like women tend to not ask for what they want with their partners because of how we've been raised. Some of us have deep shame stuff around sex, especially if you were raised in a religious household where there's so much shame around it. It is charged. It is complicated like we said before and so I think it's you know some people therapy is probably in their future for that but also just learning how to communicate with your partner and I mean there's this thing called the orgasm gap we won't get into that there's research about yeah you thought you thought the wage gap was bad (laughs) let's talk about the orgasm gap
0: wait till you hear (laughs) about the orgasm
1: gap. (laughs) it's worse in heterosexual relationships the bottom line men are getting off and women tend to not it goes beyond self-pleasure as well. You know, of course I encourage that, but we need to start, well, men need to start educating themselves around clitoris first and foremost, <laughs> but women also need to learn how to speak up and ask for what they want. And it can be complicated.
0: Well, can I tell you that I think, and and forgive me, because I think we both know that I'm basic, um,
1: a really, <laughs> <Chewy>. basic...
0: <laughs> no, I will not use the word chuggy on my podcast. <laughs> Not, i am unapologetically gen, what am i gen x we're gen xers yes ma'am and you know if my hair wants to part on the side then it's gonna part on the side i changed my life by parting mine down the middle listen i i fluctuate <laughs> i i let my hair tell me what it wants to be right it's okay in charge anyway back to the basics i think asking yourself the question what brings me pleasure is a really basic simple but surprisingly powerful place to start. I mean, you said yours literally started with like a checklist, a questionnaire. And mm-hmm. that that put something in front of you. Just sitting down with myself, you know, I was sort of thinking about where I wanted to go and what I wanted. I don't know if it was like the beginning of the year or something and I was feeling meta. And and I was like, my word for this year or like what I need more of in my life is joy because I haven't done anything for play and so Long. And so I went out and bought myself some rollerblades. We joined a pool because I love to play. I love to be outside. I love to be active. But everything I was doing was for an outcome. So Mm -hmm. I was training for an outcome, I was riding my bicycle for an outcome. Now I sometimes just go on pleasure walks or pleasure rides, or I eat, you know, something really delicious. And I actually focus on the experience and the pleasure Mm -hmm. of that. Yeah. And, but I think we are conditioned to think of that as quite selfish, really in general.
1: Yeah. And sometimes that question can be a little overwhelming, especially for women, like the, you know, what brings more pleasure in your life or what do I want more of? And if, if that's the case, there's two things I recommend. A, maybe start with a list of what doesn't bring you pleasure? And what do you not want? What do you want less of in your life? Because typically women can give you a long list of that. Start there. And then you can kind of go to the other side of the spectrum and, and try to find something. Also, start small. I had a client once where this was the topic. And she she finally, she goes, you know what I, I love doing, but I don't ever give myself the luxury of it. She said, standing in the shower after I'm done washing my hair and just letting the warm water just run over my body. And I was like, that's your assignment. Hopefully you don't live in California where there's a drought. <laughs> but it's just, it's small things like that. You know, the, the feeling, you know, if you like to sleep naked and get satin sheets or something, the feeling of the sheets against your body, it's these these small things. They don't have to be these grandiose things like going to a spa for five days, like start small
0: start small, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. I love it. Okay. Andrea, thank you so much. We are just scratching the surface, but you do a really beautiful job of deep diving into these topics, both in your book, but also in your podcast. I'm going to give everybody access to everything that you do and make it really easy for them. Before I let you go, though, I want to ask you like a complete aside, if you don't mind. Yeah, I've had three people recently contact me and say, you know, I'm really interested in starting to write a book. I don't know where to start. And I was like, well, why are you asking me? I haven't written one. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I have. I'm just kidding. I love to, I love to talk to anybody and everybody about what's top of mind for them. But you're the perfect person to ask, where does one even begin, Andrea?
1: This could be, you know, like a 20 minute conversation. I will give you the very short version. And I I do work with people if somebody wants to inquire about about that, if they're super serious. Oh, good, okay. Um, But I would ask yourself what's the what's the long game outcome do you want it for your business do you just want it to is it like a legacy for your children do you just want to have it in your hands do you want to see it in bookstores like very different avenues that you're going to go depending on your answer the really great news now in 2021 self-publishing is phenomenal this was not the case even 10 years ago when I started writing books if I had to start all over again and I had No social media platforms or email lists, I would for sure go the self-publishing route. I got lucky and got in the door in 2012 in traditional publishing. And so that's the trajectory that I have gone on and will likely continue to stay on. And as far as like logistics and systems, I am a I'm an outline girl. I write my books like I used to write papers in high school and college. I have an outline and I, you know, I mind map it. I have a big whiteboard and I'm like, okay, here's the ask yourself. What do you want people to walk away with? Whether you're writing a memoir or nonfiction, even in fiction, like what, what do you want people to walk away with at the end of this book? And then just mind map it from there. Here's all the topics that I can talk about, write your outline, and then just start writing. If you get stuck and if you have the means to do so, hire somebody to help you. This is why God invented editors. (laughs) Cause I, I know what it's like to get stuck.
0: Thank you. I did not tell you I was going to ask you that. Um, I appreciate you answering that cold question, um, but it's just coincidentally, I, I've had a couple of people mention this to me recently and you are the person to ask. So thank you. So are you? do you subscribe to the right a little bit every day?
1: No, I think if hard. you can and you want to go for it, I don't write every day. I just, I think that that is unrealistic for many. And I also feel that it puts undue pressure on people. I write probably three times a week, but you really have to figure out how you work best creatively.
0: All right. Thank you for the bonus question. I know that there will be some people interested in that. All right, my friend, good luck to you with this book launch. I read it. It is so good and so useful. And if anything we've talked about resonates with you, I highly recommend jumping feet first into into Andrea's latest book, Make Some Noise. Andrea, where should people find you?
1: Um, I have a lot of really great bonuses. They're not crappy ones. Uh, AndreaOwen.com slash noise, and they can okay. find them all there. And then I'm on Instagram and TikTok, your favorite at Hey Andrea Owen. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you have like 40,000 followers over here? How
0: there? are you on TikTok? You are a grown ass woman. <laughs>
1: There, Okay. Mental health TikTok is huge right now. I'm pointing, okay. you guys can't see this, but I'm pointing my finger at Ella. For my
0: mental health, <laughs> I'm I schooling will not her. be on TikTok. Mental
1: health TikTok is amazing. It's wildly entertaining. And I also have the personality for it. You do too. You're just being a snob about it.
0: <laughs> That's fair. Bye, girl. Bye. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at On Air with Ella or open the show notes for this episode and get all the links at OnAirElla.com. There's no whiff, it's just OnAirElla.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show. And thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.